0: I want to talk to you about the process of knowing God's will. It's imperative that I speak on this subject on a fairly regular basis. It's been over 10 years ago since I've spoken even on this subject of the process of knowing God's will. Uh, it's important... Maybe, maybe, and I'm hesitant to, to say, you know, the most important or any of that. But you, you would have to rank it right at the top of your world, wouldn't you? To know the will of God, you want to know the will of God. Well, I know the will of God enough to tell you that He wants you to be saved. Amen. It's not, it's not God's will that any should perish. So, that, that does God always get His way? It's not God's will that any should perish. If he got his way, nobody would perish. But they are going to perish, you know, because people are given a free will of God. And uh, take your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Two powerful verses that we'll talk a few minutes about. Hopefully you'll leave here. Maybe maybe you already have a good understanding of how to know and the process of knowing God's will. Uh, but you'll hopefully have a better understanding as we go back over this subject. Maybe you've never really contemplated how do you know the will of God in your life. I can't tell you how important it is that you pay attention to this. This is a part one of a three-part series on how or the process of knowing the will of God. There's no possibility for me to do this in one message and do it justice. Uh, Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That is your service of worship. People want to make worship Uh, all verbal adoration and praise, but worship, a large part of worship is service, is doing the will of God. If I care about my woman, I help her and serve her to be truthful about it. My life is spent, a lot of it, in serving my wife. And a lot of her life is spent in serving me, she helping me. Both of our lives are spent in service for the Lord Jesus Christ and it is part of our act of worship. And it be not, and the next verse, be not conformed to this world because those are contradictory things. If you love the world, you're not a friend of God. In fact, you're an enemy of God. And as a Christian, right away, right away, you learn that being a friend of this world puts you at odds with God cannot be in the will of God to be a friend of this world. That means and I know we're born in this world, we're bred in this world, our flesh is of this world, but your spirit once you get born from above is not of this world anymore. And the and the departure and the separation from your spirit and the ways of this world is a growth process. Doesn't happen Shazam, but it happens as a growth process day by day as you grow. The Bible says a growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Part of growing is learning uh, what God likes and what God does not like, what's good and what's not good, what's proper and not proper, what is God's will and what is not God's will. So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the process of growth under the birth of the Holy Spirit. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect completed will of God. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, as in some other places, gives a great definition of the will of God. Every believer usually wants and needs to know to succeed what the will of God is. I first developed this message and the topic around this message in 1982. That was 30 Eight years ago, it's hard hard for me to believe that. At that time, I was 31 years old. I had just uh, finished uh, my cancer surgery and had radiation on my neck and thyroid area over over my whole body. I was still undergoing full body scans, regular oncology appointments, uh, visiting three different doctors. And I would continue this until 19... I had just graduated in 1978 from Bob Jones University after a long, hard-fought seven years of war, and that's what I likened it to at getting a bachelor's degree uh, in Bible there at Bob Jones University as a married student with a child. After that, I was called to a place called Community Baptist Church by Dr. Richard Anderson the Tom and Jamin, members of that church for a while, deacon of that church in a while also, up there and still existent. Now it's called Briarcliff Baptist Church. And so Dr. Richard Anderson and, and brought me down actually in 1976 and ordained me in 1976. I graduated in 1978. When I graduated, he gave me a call and said, I'd like you to come down, be assistant pastor with me. I'd like you to be the head dean of men, at least, at the Bible Institute. He had a little Bible Institute, 40, 50 people in it. Nice little work. And so I agreed to do that. To say I was busy would be an understatement. I was working secularly, laying floor covering, as well as working part-time uh, for, as assistant pastor, as a, as a dean of men at the Bible Institute there. All my schooling, however, uh, was for that. It was for uh, working in a church, being an assistant pastor, possibly being a youth pastor, or anything I could in full-time Christian service, because that's what God had called me to do. So I was happy. I was happy. And so until uh, a few things began to happen, I could no longer stay at that church. Some things changed I couldn't agree with, so I had to leave. In 1980, there was a little group of um, hodgepodge people, like, you know, little kids. And we counted dogs, cats, everything. We may have had 25 on a high day. Most of the time, had fifteen. A meeting here in Bonita. Jim McCollum, Ernie Stewart were their names. Two deacons, a former deacons who wanted to start a church here in North Bonita. Now I know you're not going to believe this, but there was nothing in North Bonita. The only thing up here was a bowling alley over there, with buildings still there. There's a bowling alley, but really there was nothing all the way uh, to Astero, the oldest Estero, the mobile home park up there uh, by the Estero River. From there to here, there was really nothing, and from here pretty much all the way down to the beginning of what we call downtown Bonita. There was really nothing, not much at all by way of population. So to start a church this far north was simply crazy. Who would start a church out in the middle of nowhere? This was like, in fact, when we started, people would nickname us Church in the Wilderness. I thought I got a kick out of that. But they asked me to preach. They heard I was up there. They called me. And the third Sunday they met together, and the fifth Sunday they met together, they asked me to preach Sunday morning, teach Sunday school Sunday morning, Sunday night, and preach for them. Jim McCullum shortly after that gave me a call and asked me to be the senior pastor here at Gospel Baptist Church in 1980, about March I think that was. Um, now that, that, that laid, and I had to lay before God, uh, this request we would like you to be our senior pastor. you know, I wasn't very old. I was about 31, 30, 31 years old. Well, I laid this before God and told God clearly that I would love to do this. This is what I was educated for. This is what God's will, I believe, what God's will was for me. So should I take this fabulous opportunity to be at the very foundation of a local church plant here in Bonita as their senior pastor? Was that not what I had worked for so hard a span covering about 10 years? And this would allow me to get off of my knees laying carpet. I laid floor covering of all kinds, they like tile, laid like vinyl, laid like carpet, laid like ceramic. My dad taught me that early on, and so I was laying carpet at the, whole, the whole time on my knees. But this would allow me to get off my knees, to take my education, and to focus it in the ministry, I could finally quit laying floor covering and get off my knees. Uh, surely, this is what God wanted. So I prayed and began to seek God's face, confirmation on the will of God. You can get a good idea from the short story how important it was to me that I find the will of God on what I was seeking. And if, it, uh, if I wasn't ready and, and took this, it could hurt people, or I could miss a great opportunity. So either way, if I didn't take it and I was supposed to take it, I miss a great opportunity. If I took it and wasn't supposed to take it, I could hurt a lot of people. I know you have a hard time believing that, as sweet as I am now. But that was not who I was then. Or would I take it prematurely, uh, end up quitting, getting discouraged because people would maybe be, Can you believe people would be mean to you? Can you believe that? And uh, never go back into the ministry again. I had seen people like that, by the way. I've seen casualties like that. They took a church early. Somehow or another, got seemed to get out of the will of God. Things did not go well for them. And they eventually got so discouraged they got out of the ministry. Or if I took it out of the will of God, would my wife be soured on the ministry? Uh, and, you know, from people possibly criticizing you. You know, sometimes your wife will take up an offense for you. You know, someone will, will unjustly be tough on you, and your wife will come by and say, oh, man, they were just too hard on you. And and by the way, never take up an offense for somebody else. Never do it. You don't have grace. If, if Mama, if you hear somebody criticize your boy, let him take it don't you take up offense for it because you don't have the grace of God to take it he does the one getting criticized or getting tested has the grace of god but the people around them do not have the grace of god so what ends up happening is the person that gets hit he survives well with the grace of god and accepts it as part of as part of life as part of, but the people around him get bitter it's a mess it's a mess don't do it and then what about Troy What about Troy? He may take up a fence for me as a young man, you know, seeing his dad go through hard things, maybe unjust things, if I took it out of the will of God, remember. Ooh, so whatever happened, I did not want to take this position, though I wanted it. I did not want to take it out of the will of God because I knew better. So after a few weeks of praying, I had my answer. No. No. God would just not let me accept this fabulous opportunity to be in a church plant as a senior pastor at 30 years old. Wouldn't let me do it. I I had to argue with God a little bit. I'd be honest with you, I got angry at God a little while. I thought, you know, you called me, you had me go to school, we had to go through all of that, all of that trouble and suffering and hardships, and and did all of that, and 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 we, you know, by the grace of God, we, now you're going to say, no, you just get upset with God. He didn't do it according to your timetable. I, I simply couldn't believe it. I, I just had no time to believe it. And all this work, I had a whole library of books. I would go in my library and say, Lord, what do I got these books for. What I got these books for? Thousands of dollars worth of books. Why do I have them? Why have I read them? Why have I studied? What have I put this together for? I kind of, you know, I'm going. So what are you, what are you doing? Well, even maybe harder than all of that was I had to return to installing floor coverings. I got to go back to my knees, and by the way, you're on your knees about seven, eight hours a day, eight, nine hours a day, wouldn't be ten sometimes more, and I used to call myself the most educated floor covering installer in Lee County, that was my nickname, I had a master's degree in theology laying floor covering. You know, I, they used to make at at the store I worked for Bendeley's Carpet and some of these other places around here, and they would go, they would go, "Wow, we've never had anybody that has a bachelor's or master's degree installing installing floor cover. I said, "Well, you do now. You do now. I can give you some spiritual advice if you'd like it. No, you can hold back on now. We just God allowed me, however." So I went to God and I said, "Well, okay, all right. So I told Jim McCallum, I said, Jimmy, I love the opportunity, great opportunity. He said, well, we'd love you to be our assistant pastor. I said, I just have, I absolutely have a no from God I can't do. it, Jimmy, I'm sorry, but is there any room, do you need anybody else? You need an assistant pastor. He said, well, we don't even have a senior pastor. I said, yeah, but you need an assistant pastor. I'll be an assistant pastor. This was the clincher, for free. I'll continue to install carpet, and I'll donate my time as much as I can on the weekends and evenings, and I'll be your assistant pastor. So Gospel Baptist Church had a full-time assistant pastor before it had a full-time senior pastor. Crazy. Called V.L. Martin, which is an experienced guy to be a senior pastor. I got to work with V.L. Martin. What a privilege it was to work with V.L. Martin. Woo! Then... Pastor Harry McKinney, they called him VL Martin had a bad heart, so he was only able to stay for six months. And then VL, uh Harry, by the way, he got to go to heaven. And then um old Pastor McKinney came from Redding, California. He had been an experienced pastor, 60-year-old. He was an old guy, 60-year-old, man. I got to work under that boy, and God taught me things that school could never teach. I mean, it was not, it was not so much, it was not so much uh uh, what he knew, it was who he was. He was one of the most spiritual men I'd ever been around. And I got to work hand-in-hand with him for 11 and a half years. Now, wait a minute. You can become a plumber in four years. 11 and a half years of tutelage under the godly man, old Harry uh, A. McKinney, which is short for ham. Harry A. McKinney. You all there? Help me out now. Harry A. McKinney used to say, that's short for ham. And that's what he was. He was a ham. He was, he was a jokester. He loved God. He was a soul winner. Uh, he, he, was, he was just wonderful for me. And boy, did I need a dose of Harry McKinney. So God allowed me to accept the assistant pastor here. I worked under Harry McKinney for 11 and a half years. Now, the message that I'm, that's just the introduction, by the way. You're getting scared, you should. The message about the will of God, I've learned a lot by living it, by living the very will. How do you know the will of God? Your future success and my future success and other future success depend on you being able to find out what the will of God is. First of all, let me get in some common problems finding the will of God. These are just common problems. First of all, finding the will of God is often the last source that people seek. This is terrible. This is terrible. I think I'm going to move up north because my kids, uh, I want to be around my grandchildren. Have you sought God on it? Well, I don't have to, preacher. That's just a good thing to do. Well, you're going to find out that your grandkids may not even want to be around you. Amen. Once they they get used to you being there, you'll see them less up there often than you see them down here. I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, I'm not saying it's whether God's will or not for you. But I'm saying, how about you go before God and do these, I'm going to show you, five ways to know the will of God for this thing's out. And and today we're going to do one by the grace of God. And so you should seek God now. Whether you have a high view of Scripture whether you have a low view of Scripture determines whether you're going to go to the Bible to seek it. If you have a high view of this book, you're not going to do anything without finding out what God wants you to do out of this book. If this book contradicts something that you want to do, you're going to say, well, evidently God's not in it. You're going to give God the high road. You're going to have a high view of Scripture. It makes sense to me, right? You're not going to have a low view of Scripture. Now, there's a group of people out there, uh, that have somewhat of a low view of Scripture. They put their emotions and possibly what they get moved about as above everything else. Uh, the, they call it the leading of the Spirit, possibly. And the question is, which spirit? There's lots of spirits. The Bible says, try the spirits, see whether they be of God. How do you know whether a spirit's of God? So, you, you know, the spirits move. But you gotta you gotta filter those. Are there not a lot of voices talking to you? There's lots of voices talk to me. I mean, I got myself, which we carry on long conversations about stuff. And then I ask him, Well, who are you? And and you don't want to tell people that you're talking to yourself too much or that, you know, put you away. But you but you you talk to yourself, and then you got all these voices. You got You got the demonic and evil forces of the world, spiritual forces that can talk to you. They're they're open to talk to you. Now you got the Holy Spirit of God that's open to talk to you. Then you got all of us that'll be willing to talk to you, right? Then you have the Holy Spirit that'll be willing to talk to you. You got a lot of voices. So, how do you find out which one of those voices is right? You got to go back to this. You got to go back to the written word of God. That is having a high view of Scripture, and we hear to the Gospel have that. Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. First Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So if you believe the Bible is God's Word, really, you will seek it first and foremost in answering questions about this life. So some of the problems in finding the will of God is people don't seek out the Word of God. They don't investigate it. If they do, they give it a real quick boom, 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 rather than a thorough look at. Second thing is, people are afraid of what God will want them to do, so they don't seek it. In other words, basically, they're afraid God is going to say no. Or maybe they're afraid God is going to say yes. And they won't seek His will. They just said, well, you know, man, you know, yeah. I know when I got right with God, uh, 18 years old, I said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do but be a preacher. I'll do anything you want me to do but be a preacher. Please don't make me a preacher. I was afraid of the will of God. And you know what he did. He made me a preacher. By the way, it wasn't all that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I had this preconceived idea. I had seen preachers beaten up. I had seen preachers thrown out. I had seen preachers persecuted. I had seen preachers abused. And so I thought, as a young man, I thought, man, that's to be a bad occupation. I'd rather be a used car salesman. I'll tell you something worse. I'd rather be a real estate salesperson. They're right at the bottom of the food chain. People are afraid of what God will tell them to do. Maybe he'll call, Maybe he'll tell them to give up some beloved sin that they really like to practice. Maybe he'll cause them, maybe he'll tell them to quit smoking. I love smoking. When I smoked, I love to smoke. How many gonna here love to smoke when I smoke? God bless you. Let's have, let's have a meal together. But nobody bring any cigarettes. Smoking was one of the most enjoyable habits I ever was addicted to. I mean, I just love them swisher sweets. Ooh my. Now, anyway, if I make it too good, you guys can go out and buy one on the way home. Don't do it. Myroboros, ooh, they were smooth. I know you people look at me like I'm crazy. You are crazy. Anybody sucks smoke in your lungs over and over again, you got to be a little crazy. But I knew when I gave my life to Jesus, there was this little voice came in my head, you're going to have to give the smokes up, you know. Oh, not that. Yeah. And then The list went on. You're going to have to give this up, and this up, and this up, and you're going to have to quit doing this, and you're going to have to quit cussing. Cussing was fun. Do you know the Bible says that Moses gave up the pleasure of sin for a season? People wouldn't cuss if it wasn't fun. People say to me, I can't believe they swear like that. I believe it. I'm just thrilled I don't. That's Amen. You ever heard a woman cuss? Women cuss just as bad as men. I've heard women cuss a blue streak, whatever that means. I mean, they use vulgarities that go past anything I heard a man use almost. Some of the worst are interior decorators. Female interior decorators, some of the most vile people i ever worked around in my life. Also, railroaders. Railroaders, man, railroaders can get really down in the dumps on life, I tell you what. And then real estate people, of course, at the very bottom. I can prove it that people love sin and they don't want to seek the will of God because of it. I can prove it. John 3 19, 20 said, This is the condemnation kind of that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. And everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. These are Jesus' words, by the way. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they're wrought in God. What does he just say there? He just said, you'll stay away from the will of God because you love your sin, that's why. Sometimes we scratch our head and say, "Why don't people get victory? Why don't people step away from that?" It's it's a besetting thing. It's a besetting sin. It's something that's. Spo-. We had a girl get up here one. We had a girl get up here in one prayer meeting, and and she had a you know no hair. That's fairly unusual. Men no, but women yes. She had been taking so much chemotherapy, she lost all her hair. Right, and she got up and she says, "I just got to give this assessment Were anybody here with anybody here with me? You remember that? You remember that, Billy? An old girl got up there, and she said, you know, I had a besetting sin, smoking. And I never, God told me to kick smoking, but I never kicked it. And consequently, I I was, God wanted me to teach Sunday school. I never taught it. God wanted me to get involved in, in, in ministries. I never did because of this smoking. And now I got lung cancer, and I'm dying, and I can't go back, and I lost all that. Please, whatever you do, don't smoke, and some other things she said she died shortly after that. Yeah. People stay out of the will of God. She knew the will of God. But wouldn't do it. Because she loved her sin. Is it just so simple we go over the top of it, don't we? We say, well, that couldn't be it. Surely they wouldn't give up their whole ministry in the local church because of cigarettes. Surely you wouldn't give it up because of some... Swisher, sweet. Surely you wouldn't give it up because of some smoke. Oh, yes, you will. But don't do it. Don't do it. Because the will of God is the most important thing in your life besides getting saved. And that is really the part of the will of God. Amen? Being saved is part of the will of God. It's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So it's the will of God you got saved. Now that you got born from above and you're saved, you need to walk on to the next step of the will of God and the next step of the will of God and the next step of the will of God. It's scary, but it'll be good. It'll be good. You can do it. Another reason people don't go to the will of God, it's hard to understand. I just can't figure out what the will of God is. I'll admit some parts of the Bible are hard to understand. It's been said it's not what I don't understand that bothers me about the Bible, it's what I do understand. Amen? I like that phrase. It's what I don't understand. Don't you get caught up on what you don't understand. Get caught up on what you do understand and do what you do understand. It makes sense to you? That's just, uh, that's just common sense, man. And I mean, I always tell people what I know about the will of God keeps me so busy, I ain't worried about what I don't know. I got more to do than two lives, three lives worth of living on what I know that I'm supposed to do by the will of God. I am not going to get caught up on when is the rapture going to come or when is the second coming going to come or, or when is the, all I can tell you, is coming. I, am I going to be alive when the rapture comes? I hope so, uh, but I may not be. But I know that someday Jesus is going to call his church up uh, and with the, with the trumpet, the sound of the trumpet, and then the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we, we which are alive and men shall be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I know that. But I'm not going to spend my whole world getting upset or arguing with people if they don't believe it. Fine, if they don't believe it, they're going to learn better. As they send us out, you learn better. You're going to learn better about it, or whatever. Just get caught up on what you know so much, you don't have to worry about what you don't know. Get busy doing the knowing Will of God. There's boys and girls that are dying and going to hell. Not many people care about them. There's not many people going out there and hunting for these boys and girls, getting involved in finding some of these boys and girls and bringing them to church and letting them hear at least, letting them hear the gospel before they die and giving them a little chance to know what it is to have Jesus as a Savior. Show them there's a better way than having a cocaine mom and a drunkard father. And 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 a criminal-ridden home. Show them there's a little better in life than that. Go out there and help us get these boys and girls uh, by the grace of God out of where they're at and into church at least once a week. That's the will of God. I can tell you that's the will of God. Preacher, I'm hunting for the will of God. That's one of them. Going door to door, another will of God, and so many other things. I've got 20 different ministries of outreach. How do I know outreach is important? Because if, if they don't hear as important as Jesus uh, death, burial, and resurrection is, it doesn't do them a bit of good if they don't hear about it. It doesn't do them a bit of good. People that don't hear about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus are going to die without Christ and go to hell. They gotta hear about it. We're told to go in the gospel, we're told to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that puts the finger on me, if you want to put it that way. In other words, it puts the pressure on me as a believer. My job is to get the word out before it's too late for them. I'm already saved. So, gospel tracts, you got that idea? I'll do it. Where are you at, brother? Gospel signs? Gospel signs? I'll do it. I'll put the sign out in front of my yard from from a mailman, by the grace of God. Boy, mail people need to be saved. The way they deliver mail, they need to be saved. Jack Hiles said, in one sermon he preached, he said, 95% of the will of God is revealed in this Bible. 5% the Holy Spirit will show you. So, I'm, I can live with that. Well, let's use, let's say you disagree with that. Let's say, well, preacher, I don't, I, I think maybe 85% of the will of God would be in the written, and maybe 15% would be the Holy Spirit. Okay, but 85% will keep you busy for your whole life. Maybe you won't get that other 15%, but you're going get to the, get the 85% that's there. Don't waste your life! Whatever happens, I got to say it. The Holy Spirit wants me to say it, I'm going to say it. My wife and I bought two burial plots down in a real fancy cemetery in Naples because that's the only way I'm ever going to Naples. I never could afford to live in Naples, never could afford to live in Bonita. I live in old trashy Estero. But I finally am a landowner in Naples. So I went in in and looked at my land. I went over there and looked at my land for two people. I stood there, and it's all filled. It's all filled. People, it's, it's pretty well all filled. I saw my neighbors, quiet, no problem. I thought, these are good neighbors. Trees look good. View looks good. Get to be in Naples. And then it hit me. The Holy Spirit whispered to me. Every one of these that you see here were were alive at one time. Every one of these people were walking around like you are right now on top of the ground. Possibly every one of them saw the little piece of ground they bought. But now, it's about 97, 8% full. And the Holy Spirit says, someday that's you. And I had me a little spell. Glory to God, hallelujah. I don't fear death. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm not looking forward to the process of death but I sure am looking forward to what's beyond it. And I'm sure looking forward to the promises that the Word of God has for me. And I was having me a little spell thanking Jesus that I was willing to submit my will to God's will. All these years, hadn't been perfect. I'd like to go back and redo some stuff. Who wouldn't? But in the big picture, I've tried to do the will of God. Tell people about Jesus. Pass tracks out. Witness. Be part of the local church. Stay away from the world. How grievous it is as I looked at those headstones. I thought some of these people wasted their life, totally wasted their life in selfish, personal desires. And when they... Stand before God, and everybody will stand before God. Everybody. They're going to lose it all. Don't that be you. No, don't miss the will of God. God wants you to be saved. But God wants you to live for Him, because He wants to be able to give you a big old reward when you go to heaven. Yeah, man. Yeah, He does. And then the last reason, the fourth reason, is some... Miss the will of God is they just simply don't want to obey what they see. They harden their hearts. They harden their hearts. If any man lack wisdom, James 1 5. Let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and he'll give it to him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a sea, wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And this is the verse. Chapter 1, verse 7. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all these ways. A double-minded man is a fickle man. It's a fickle person. On again, off again. On again, off again. On again, off again. You know, they're all in, then they're all out. Then they're all in, they're all out. They're in and out. You've been around them. You've met them. God forbid you've been one. Put your your hands to the plow of the will of God and don't look back. Don't you let anything take your hands off the will of God. Now, you may be a plumber, absolutely in the will of God. You may be an electrician, absolutely in the will of God. You may be a guy setting pavers, absolutely in the will of God. You may be a veterinarian, in the will of God. You may be a policeman in the very will of God, but you still have the same will of God that I've got. We all got the same will, to do his will and accomplish what he wants us to do, to propagate his word, to live righteously before these folks, to separate ourselves from the world. We all have the same commonality, no matter what our occupation is. By the grace of God, you can even be in the real estate and be saved. One of the harder occupations, but you can do it by the grace of God. So we're to seek God's word. We're to seek his word. Don't you be double-minded. Don't you be. I'm going to pick this up later. By the grace of God, we're going to have at least two more, possibly three more messages based around how or the process of knowing the will of God. You don't want to miss it. Something will help you. Something born out of long years of back when I first did this when I was uh, 31 years old. But now I'm 68 years old. And I got to say, I don't know really that much different than what I knew then. Why? Because the Bible. This will advance you in wisdom way past your teachers, way past your teachers. Because this is ancient. And you young people back there, you 20-somethings back there, don't you let anybody despise your youth. You know this book. You know the wisdom of the ages. Father, help us to know the will of God, to have a burden about it, to seek it, and to find it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com.